I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Amsden, and uh, it's good to be back. I just got back from Atlanta, Georgia. I was at the Rivals 100 five-star challenge uh, out at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. And uh, I have to say, a big noticeable difference uh, from the first Rivals 100 five-star challenge that I attended when I started with Devil's Digest, when I started working with Hode Rubino back in 2015, Arizona State was in on the recruitment of quite a few of the nation's top prospects. Mike Norvell and Chris Ball did a great job of staying in contact, as well as Todd Graham, uh, with some of these guys. And 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 I was really out there only looking at the three uh, players that had already officially visited Arizona State, as well as a couple of kids that are on the radar for 2020. And so, um, you know, definitely a, a different experience um, from three years ago to now. And, and it even started dwindling a little bit uh, before that under Todd Graham after Mike Norvell and Chris Ball uh, had moved on. But, it, it, you know, it's definitely an interesting experience to be to be out at, a, uh, at, at surrounded by some of the nation's top talent and see, you know, the ones that for the most part are considering any Pac-12 schools. You know, they always have the same few ones in their list, the USC's, the Oregon's, the Washington's. Um, but, but ASU's fallen by the wayside a little bit. And, and, you know, Al Luganville said, all you got to do is win and people will forget, you know, people forgot that Washington went 0 and 12 and now they're a destination school. You know, people forget that, that Oregon struggled after, you know, they went to, after they went to a playoff and, and they're on their fourth coach in like the last seven years. And so, um, but you know, their brand has remained strong throughout and it'll be interesting to see if Arizona state, can get there as well. I mean, you have to ask yourself, is this a temporary drought or a dried up well? And that's something that I, I wrote about uh, on devilsdigest.com, my my Rivals 100 five-star challenge notebook, if you want to check that out. If you're not a subscriber to Devil's Digest, highly recommend it. Awesome community. Great on the uh, uh, to be on the message boards and find out what's going on b- before anybody else really knows about it. Uh, if you like keeping up with recruiting, if you like um, just to discuss things with the Arizona State Sun Devil community, it's an absolutely fantastic place to be. Uh, I, I will say, I, w- I went out there and I visited with the three Louisiana kids that had taken official visits to Arizona State. Uh, Devontae Lee, Trey Palmer, and... Um, and Jordan Clark, and these are great kids. Very, very, very good football players. The fact that that ASU was on their radar and they took an official visit, I think definitely speaks volumes to what John Simon is able to do as a recruiter. He's got a full running back room, and so he's able to kind of get out there and recruit whoever he wants to, and he has that connection um, out in Louisiana. And and some of these players uh, coming out of Louisiana, I, I would say that I would definitely say that Louisiana and Georgia – are right below Texas, California, and Florida as far as where the absolute best talent is coming from. So it's really great to kind of have a footprint in Louisiana. And the most viable of probably all of the prospects that are considering Arizona State um, is is Jordan Clark. Jordan Clark is a five foot ten, hundred and seventy pound cornerback who has absolutely great technique. Um, he, he's the son of former Steelers safety Ryan Clark. Uh, you know, he, he didn't shy away from covering the country's best out there. And some of these guys, he was giving up 
eight inches on. They're six foot five wide receivers, and you know, and and in certain circumstances, they were able to out leap him and, and bring down a ball. Uh, but he lined up and 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 went after it every single time. I watched him go one on one with the nation's number one player, also out of Louisiana, Derek Stingley Jr., who's a cornerback himself, but he played wide receiver in their seven on seven play. And and you know, Jordan Clark was lined up against the number one player in the entire country, uh, and and doing his best to 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 make sure that you know Stingley wasn't getting whatever he wanted whenever he wanted uh had a chance to sit down with Jordan Clark and was just really impressed overall with him uh as a as a player and as a person so I'm excited to go ahead and bring you that interview uh, to start off the show this is Jordan Clark of University Lab in Baton Rouge Louisiana a four-star cornerback so let's hear from him all right, so we are out here uh, in the Marriott in in Buckhead, Atlanta. Not to be confused with Bankhead. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, so we're out here in Georgia. Uh, me and Chili, the Devil's Junkie Podcast. We got uh, we got Jordan Clark, and uh, you're out here representing Louisiana Rivals uh, Five Star Challenge. Uh, what does it mean to be uh, invited out here? You got a few a few of your peers, a couple of seven on seven teammates out here, right? What, what does it mean to just be out here and play against some of the best competition in the country? It's it's truly a blessing for me, you know what I'm saying? Um, just having this opportunity, having an opportunity to prove myself, and then also to compete against the best in the country. You know, you don't get reps like this just anywhere. So, you know, being out here is a blessing, it's an honor, and I'm, I'm super happy to be out here. And you just got that Under Armour invite, yes, right? Sir. What does that mean to you? I mean, you grew up watching some of the best players in the country playing that game, and, and now you're counted among. Uh, it's unreal, you know what I'm saying? I still can't believe that I'm having that opportunity, you know. Uh, like when he called me and he told me like he was inviting me, I was like, man, what? You know what I'm saying? It's like surreal feeling. So um, I'm just, I'm super, I'm ecstatic about it, man. When you get these accolades, every time like an offer comes in, every time, uh, um, you know, the people talk about like an award or you come to a camp or, or you get invited to the Under Armour game, What's that like, man? What's the support system in your life? Who do you talk to? Who do you go to? And 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 what's that like? Who's the first person that you you get a hold of every time that happens? Call my parents. Yeah. Every single time. First, I t- well, I'm normally in my car whenever I get the calls and stuff. So I turn the music down. I pray. Thank God. Grab my phone. Call my people. They're always super excited about it. Text my sisters. Tell them. And uh, that's how it goes. So tell me about your family. Like how how many how many people? And we'll get into like the crazy story of you growing up and everything. All right. So I have mom and my dad, you know what I'm saying? Then I have two like blood sisters, like my actual sisters. And then I have a god sister who stays with us a lot of the time. And I have a older, like another older sister who's my sister's best friend who lives with us now. So, yeah. so that, I mean, that's a lot, of, a lot of estrogen in one house, right? Yeah. How does that just kind of shape like who you are as a young man to have like sisters to take care of, god sister, other just strong female influences um, around you? I think I have a different appreciation for girls than you know, some other dudes do, you know what I'm saying? So just like different aspects of life, like when I'm dealing with a girlfriend or something like that, try to be a little bit more sensitive, try to be more respectful towards them. Who's the first one that keeps you in check when your head gets big sometimes? My younger sister. <laughs> yeah? My sister for sure, yeah, definitely. She reminds me all the time. Stay home. She tells you who you are? Yeah, she reminds me. She can see you when you're changing a little bit and just like yeah. checks you back down. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so tell now, you're in kind of a unique situation. It's not unique for so many football players out there, like being raised by other mm-hmm. other football players. But uh, for people who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about like the situation, what your dad's accomplished, and, and sort of like what you've been coming up under this whole time. Oh, well, my dad, uh, he played 13 years in the NFL. Um, so growing up, that was kind of always what I was around. Um, so 
you know, he just he was always a super hard worker and all that stuff. So I got to watch how he played the game and, and do stuff like that, the work he put into it. So I kind of try to use that to model what I do in my life and towards the game myself. Growing up so closely around the game with, I'm um, assuming, a lot of mentors besides your dad, mm -hmm. who was the most influential? It's tough. Um, Uncle Troy in uh, Pittsburgh, Uncle Troy Palmalu, um, you know, just watching him as well. He's he's a he's an excellent man. Like people don't understand how good of a guy he is, man. So, you know, just watching the way he treated other people, watching the way he handled his business and stuff like that was just eye opening for me. And so, you know, you're in this situation where you've been around football. This whole does it take the shine off of some of these like you know, it's like, it's like eating at the restaurant you work at. Like, yeah. you know how the food is made. Um, maybe you're not as excited about it, or, or maybe you are. Maybe maybe because you were been following this path so long, like, to see that fulfilled is is a really big deal. Like, how, how does it affect you? How do you feel like your situation is different than somebody else? Um, I think it's, I, I don't know how they feel about it, you know what I'm saying? But for me, I watched my dad accomplish all these great things. Like, win a Super Bowl, you know, go to a Pro Bowl and all that stuff like that. And I saw how his hard work, how it all came to that, you know what I'm saying? So... It's kind of the same thing happening for me. You know, I try to, you know, work as hard as I can and just blessings continue to come. So I'm just, I'm super happy about it. It doesn't really change, you know, the, the feeling whenever I get those things. Well, Chili always likes to say to, like, young prospects, the game's never going to love you as much as you love the game. And you watch your dad go beyond, beyond football. Still a life involved with football yeah. and everything like that. But um, what, what kind of advice does he give you just about, like, not necessarily, like, letting football define, even though it's a big part of your life, mm -hmm. like, you have to, you know, develop other parts and like you said, like be like Troy Palomaro, like yeah. become a good man. It's, um, you know, with that it was always, you know, the game isn't, it's not everything, you know what I'm saying? There's other parts of life, you know what I'm saying? Uh, whatever you do, do it 100%. So school, do that 100%. Just give your best effort in everything. So, um, you know, I, I haven't always, you know, been super involved in football. It wasn't the first thing I played. I played soccer and, you know, other things like that. That was my first love. So, um, you know, my dad, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely use the game. Don't let the game use you. Was Louisiana always home? No, sir. I'm from okay. Pittsburgh. Okay. So how, how'd you end up there? Um, my dad went to college at LSU, so after he stopped playing, we ended up moving back because that's where he wanted me to play high school ball. And what's what's high school ball like in Louisiana? It's live. It's super live, especially at my school because you know, we got a lot of good players on my team. So um, everybody wants to beat us, but, you know, they can't. So. Uh, I mean, who are some of the, I, I know a couple of the, the, you know, Trey Palmer and Devontae mm -hmm. Lee and guys you went on your official visit to Arizona State with. Mm -hmm. Who are some of the other players from Louisiana that just like, are, are they, you just, you like playing against, you like playing with, or you just enjoy watching? Um, I'm probably going to name some guys like you might not know, but uh, Keelan Ross from Zachary. He's okay. excellent. He's a really good quarterback and great under me. Um, Derek Stingley, obviously, you know, he's on my 7 on 7 team. He's, he's an exceptional talent. Uh, all the guys on my team, I'm not going to, you know, spend a lot of time naming them. But Dorian Harris, he's a slot on my team. I love going against him in practice. It's a great work. Jeez, uh, man. The Westfield boys, Darius Davis, uh, Derek Turner, and uh, Devon Harris from last year, they all went to uh, D1. They were very good as well. Is there a brotherhood like Louisiana, like everybody wants to rep for um, for Louisiana when they, when they go, you know, a lot of guys that leave, some some stay in, you know, whether it's Tulane or LSU or, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of state pride? I think so. I think we're all kind of like the same type of person as when it comes to football. You know, we're all super competitive. So if we're playing against each other, we're going at each other's neck. But when we're together and we're playing against other people, I think there's definitely an added little thing there to you know, represent where we're from. So you're at the five star challenge. You got every single one of these kids could play. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody outside Louisiana that you've you've been thinking like? I, I'm ready to get some reps against this person. 
No, not really, no. You're competing with yourself. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I guess you could say that. I like that. So, you know, the, obviously, you know, you still have a whole other season to play. What, what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to accomplish this year with your team? I want to state championship. One another one. I want to go back to back. Nobody in our school history has done that. So, um, really? you know, I think it's a unique opportunity for us. Um, something that I'm super, super excited, looking forward to. You know, whatever I got to do to help my team win, that's what that's what I'm gonna do. And your coaches out there, how do they how do they speak into your life? How do they influence what you're doing? Um, my coaches are perfectionists. You know what I'm saying? So uh, whatever they teach us to do, they want us to do that perfectly. And I think that that helps a lot, you know, with discipline, you know what I'm saying? Something that you're going to need on the next level, things like that. So uh, they do a really good job. Now, this situation with this official visit, I mean, that was wild. You know, Arizona State comes out and they said, you know, we're going to recruit Texas, we're going to recruit California, we're going to recruit Nevada, and we're recruiting Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, John Simon's like, I got all these kids coming from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we talked a little bit about just like how unique of a situation was that to come out and do an official with so many, like, of your friends. Um, that was that was super unique. It was something I was super excited about, you know, those my guys, but uh, it's definitely not the place that you would think all of us, you know, would take a group of to, but it was a great time. Everybody came away and, you know, really was really impressed and loved it, so it all worked out and, you know, it was awesome to be able to do that with those guys. And you talked to this, you've been there three times, right? And yes, you said that this last time you got to hang out with some academic advisors and yes, every, you said every expectation you had, because you'd already been there twice, mm -hmm was like blown away yeah and so i just remind some of the listeners you know what, what are some of the things that really stood out about your time in tempe um how organized everything was academically you know it's really set up for like you have to pass like there's no way you can fail unless you're just not doing anything um you know the strength program how organized that is the way they do things there um you know it was, everything was just it, it's tailored to make you a good player and a better man so that was awesome for me to see it was awesome for my parents to see and we're definitely more comfortable there than we are anywhere else aside from football academically what are some things that you want to accomplish like what do you want to major in do you um, know? i'm still considering i'm still choosing between uh political science and then going to law school afterwards or broadcasting and journalism and then you know hopefully getting an internship at espn or something like that and you got the political science program at ASU. I went through it myself. Yeah, he's got the political science degree, and that's where I went. Yeah, so it's a you know, it's definitely a situation where they where they have a lot to offer. And they do. What's wild about Arizona State University is I think it has that reputation of like this is a place you go for fun. Yeah, parties. But the truth is, half these kids are already on their master's degrees. It's it's kind of cleaned it up a lot. Do you still hear stuff like that of? You know, uh, it's hard to kill a reputation like it's fun to go here. Like, of course, it's going to be fun to go to any college, but like, people, when they think about Arizona State, they think, all right, if you come here, you're not serious. You're just going to, yeah, you know, um, to hang out. Well, how is, is it when you tell people you're considering Arizona State, do you still get that kind of feedback? Like, oh, you just want to go have fun? Oh, 100%. I told like the kids on my team whenever I was at Lowe's, I'm going to take an official there. Like, oh, we know why you're going to take an official there. <laughs> Like, you know, just just going to see a school, that's what I'm interested in. But, uh, you know, it's, I think that you need that, you know, having fun in college. I think that's part of the college experience. And, uh, like you said, there's things that they don't know about the school as far as how, how good the academics are and things like that. So, you know, I think uh, having, having fun people around you that are still, you know, focused on a good goal, I think that's great. Speaking of good goals, your legacy, like not, not just for you. I know you said you want back-to-back -back championships. No one's ever done that. But what do you want to be remembered for when people think specifically of Jordan Clark? Um, I want to be I want to be remembered as the hardest working person. You know what I'm saying? I can't always be the most talented, the biggest, or anything like that. But I'm going to outwork everybody. That's just that's the thing I can control. So that's why I want people to remember me. And, uh, I mean, your, your, your time out here, 
leading into next season, I know you know you got a decision coming up and everything like that. What goes into you know? It sounds like you're, you're a young man of faith. You know, uh, outside of your family, outside of your faith, you know. And what what goes into making a decision like that? Because people don't understand. It's not like you're picking one good thing and two bad things. Yeah, it's very good options. Like it, the college you turned down is somebody else's lifelong mm-hmm. dream to go there. And so, like, what goes into making a tough decision like that? Um, I think first you have to go where you're wanted. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the, you know, you can have a lot of offers. You know what I'm saying? And go somewhere and not be important. You know, something like that. So going somewhere you want it, um, going somewhere where everybody's buying into a system, you know what I'm saying, everybody's buying into the same thing, you know, pulling in different directions. Um, somewhere where mediocrity isn't like the standard, you know, everybody wants to be great, you know, you want people around you that are gonna push, push you to be your best self. So stuff like that, family atmosphere where people care about each other, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it, strength of degree, but, um, you know, it's a lot of stuff you want to look at, but really where you fit and where you're comfortable is probably. And where you can go home after your long NFL career like your dad did. If that's if that's what yeah, God has yeah. for me, then that's that's great. All right, awesome, man. Thank you so much. Jordan Clark, appreciate it. So I stopped out here. Beautiful morning. Neighbors breathing. Family eating. We're stronger, we're stronger because you rule the day. Beautiful morning. I keep the placement of your prince. I'm tense because you gasped. We got the mucus in your vents. I'm thinking couple years in the marriage. Now, I was out in Atlanta with uh, Chili. You may remember Chili if you're a longtime listener to this show. He was the co host of the Devil's Junkie podcast for the first two years. Um, and, and he's moved on to doing a lot more stuff for me on the high school side for ArizonaVarsity.com. But he was out there with me, and, and you know we had a chance to sit down uh, with Jordan Clark together. So that's who you heard on that interview with me talking with Jordan Clark. Uh, but we also got together with uh, with Rob Cassidy. Rob Cassidy is is one of the national recruiting analysts for Rivals. Um, he, he's, uh, he's half or a third, I guess, of the Commitment Issues podcast on the Rivals Network. One of my absolute favorite podcasts to listen to. He used to live in Arizona, and uh, and I kind of came in and, and took over where he left off when he moved out to do stuff uh, in Florida for Rivals.com. Um, I really, really enjoy him as a person, really enjoy his perspective. And he's been the, one of the ones, you know, I, I think whereas a lot of people have really beat up on Herm Edwards, um, you know, in, including some some people I know very well, and, and even Chile a little bit, uh, isn't necessarily a believer. I think that Rob Cassidy has definitely really had a level head about what ASU is trying to accomplish under Herm Edwards. So let's go ahead, uh, since we were out in Atlanta, and bring in Rob Cassidy uh, to talk about his takeaways as far as what Arizona State's trying to do under Herm Edwards. All right, so Ralph Amson for the Devil's Junkie Podcast. Two of my favorite people, former co-host of the Devil's Junkie Podcast. Chili is here, former Arizona resident. Yeah, uh, Yeah, and and uh, and uh, Rivals recruiting analyst uh, Rob Cassidy, co-host of the Commitment Issues Podcast. Probably my favorite sports-related show. I, I that appreciate I, that. I appreciate I, you lying to me. That's I, great. No. <laughs> I, here, I, friends on a lot of your fans are the best. Here's the truth, because I, I, I record like four or five different podcasts, so the truth is, I don't listen to a lot of them because I'm sitting editing all the time. I listen to How Did This Get Made? That's great. Uh, which is a fantastic show and Commitment Issues. Hey, that, those are the that only two shows good. that I listen to. We should so, time to time. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I will find a way to get myself in trouble on your show. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so 
here, here's the thing I wanted to bring on because Herm Edwards has ended up a topic on your podcast several times since getting hired sure. for essentially like there's one one side of it is sticking its foot in his mouth the other side of it is like keeping ASU in the news I think people have a propensity to freak out about stuff that it, if the correct context is there it's not really something you should freak out about but it is weird that somebody would come in and answer a question from Devil's Digest with you know wa- uh, watch out them devils I'm Catholic uh, and the first thing he did when he saw an Adidas jersey and say is this for girls you know and, and come out and say we're going to cut players and stuff like that you know I think without context all that stuff you know would make somebody absolutely freak out but I, what is What's your impression? Can 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 he? Is it physically like? Is it possible for him to succeed and achieve the objectives that were laid out for him? I mean, it depends what you. I, this year, I think they're going to be good. I, I should have point this out. Like with Todd Graham's class. Yeah, everybody wants to be like, oh, they're going to be awful. They're going to fall on their face. It's not like Herm Edwards forgot how to coach. I think the challenge for him, as everybody knows, is recruiting in two, three, four years from now, because it is a game that he has not played, that he is learning on the fly. As far as I mean, he knows the X's and O's. The recruiting part is going to be interesting for him, I think. And I don't think, you know, I don't think it's impossible to teach an old dog new tricks. I also don't think that it would be wise to count on it being successful because there's no track record, you know. So you're basically walking in blind. Uh, I think he'll have to get creative. He's going to have to rely on his staff. I, I mean, I don't say anything's impossible. Weird stuff happens. You know? And I think a little bit of this. Okay, it was bad, but then the narrative becomes every time he says something even a little bit off base, it blows out of proportion, and it's, oh, look what he said now, you know, because we've, we've established that this is the narrative is old man doesn't know what he's doing, old man says silly thing. If some other coach said some of these things, you would not hear about it. Right, but I mean, it, I look at it, 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 imagine South Carolina hires a new coach, and somebody from Rivals is out there and asks a question and says, uh, you know, I'm here from Gamecock Central, uh, here we and go. the coach is like, Cox, <laughs> you know, like we, those hats around. Like, yeah. This is an educational institution. We say penis. Like, <laughs> I, I think I think people would obviously be, no. even if it was well, a that joke. That would be amazing, right? Even if it was a joke, I think it would be. It, it would cause a stir. I'm I'm definitely wait and see mode. I I this has been the longest off season ever. I just would, would love to see some results on the field. I think Chile, you're coming at this from a, your mind is absolutely made up land, and I think that's a fair representation of a lot of people who follow ASU. I think some things were said. Ray Anderson said that, you know, we should be winning a national championship in four years. I don't think that that's going to happen. That they should be top they should be top 15 every year, top three in the Pac-12, and getting four and five-star recruits. And he believed that the, the way to do it was to keep the whole staff intact and just change the guy at the top. And I don't think that that's the way to do it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Like That just doesn't seem like the model for success. It doesn't make a lot of logical sense. I, I mean, you, so you've just assumed that, I mean, Todd Graham, everything inside of him, was that was the problem, not the staff, not anything else it was just him basically Which doesn't seem everything i know about him i was around that program a little bit when he first took over i don't think he was like a cancerous you can cut the head off and everything's gonna be great replacing the third uh, i mean that's what they're saying right essentially they're saying that, that so the biggest problem was you had guys that could play in the nfl but they're going undrafted and then having so like dj foster having to come back through that undrafted free agent route and you have a guy who uh wasn't always keen. He didn't always get along with his assistants. Wasn't always keen on hiring guys who were anything more than high school coaches because he liked to have that control, right? So bringing in college guys, professional guys, established guys.
guys, you're gonna have a tough time getting along with guys that you can't really control as well. So they said, you know, in Ray Anderson's mind, he's like, what if I bring in somebody with NFL connections? What if I bring in somebody who gets along with everybody, who everybody who knows absolutely loves, then all of a sudden I've solved the two problems of Todd Graham. Yeah, but you've created but three But he brought in the oldest person that he could possibly find. He's a young soul. Closer, like closer to a retirement than leading this team to a national championship. Right, but you got to yeah. Todd Graham sometimes acts like the the Hank Hill's dad from King of the Hill, like <laughs> eighty year old crank, and Herm Edwards is a younger vibe to him. So, in my in my mind, in this, it's something that you know you'll hear in Scottsdale. Age is just a number. Well, the issue is here. So they've solved those problems, right? But if you can't recruit the talent to turn into NFL talent, and you've never recruited it, then you've created another problem. It's okay. Anything, anyway, you look at it, recruiting has changed, especially where I'm at. It's a little bit different out west, but it's going to spread that way where you have to play the game with handlers. You might not like it. You have to recruit these kids through traders. You have to take the right kids. Football's becoming basketball. Pretty much. You have to take kids as favors and then down the line, uh, you kind of you get better players for that. Is it right? Is it wrong? Who knows? But it's the way the game's played. High school coaches are getting pushed out of this, whether you like it or not. And trainers and handlers and seven-on-seven coaches are the way to go. And I don't think Herm Edwards is ready to play that game. Right, and so if there's any advantage for him, it's that maybe that hasn't reached out there. That, but but it, but it is coming. In California, yeah, definitely in California. I would say that uh, one of the things about Herm Edwards that you and I have talked about, uh, Rob, is that um, he's comfortable in his own skin in every situation. So in so, in some ways, recruiting might be a little bit easier for him than Todd Graham. In that Todd Graham is going to be Todd Graham all the time, and a lot of people don't. That can leave a bad taste in people's mouth. Or parents can look at that and say, like, I want my kid disciplined because my kid's kind of a jerk sometimes and he needs to become a man. With Herm Edwards, it's like, well, everybody kind of likes him. He's a player's coach. Uh, all of his colleagues love him. People cried when he left ESPN. And so, and, and so I mean, you know, is, is he going to be, can you friendly your way at the good recruits? I don't think in 2018 you can. Because like, I think it's so much relying on, it's not, I mean, I guess the parents ultimately make the decision, but the, they're as panicked as everybody else. They're getting advice from people, right? I mean, and coaches, handlers, trainers, they haven't gone through this, these parents. They don't know what to expect for the most part. Now, you got parents that obviously have two and three prospects that have played their career before, but if it's your first time and all of a sudden your kid is a big time recruit, you're looking every which way to get advice on how to handle all that. Exactly. I, people who've done it before. Yeah, I don't know that Herm is ready to deal with those people because I think he fancies himself more of an old school guy and he doesn't want to mix it up. It's so the way Bill Snyder is kind of at K-State. I mean, he won't do that either. Look at them. I mean, exactly. He gets there's the most a ceiling. Of his talent, but there's a ceiling getting, on what they can Yeah, achieve. you're not recruiting four and five star players. So, Chili, the, so the thought is that they might be okay this year. They're returning Manny Wilkins. They're returning most of their defense. Their offensive line has all been together and on the field for two straight years. If they, but if they don't win this year, is it even possible to catch up? All I know is that we got to make sure that we never lose to Texas, BYU, Cal, Washington, Washington State, because Herm Edwards said, hey, if a recruit chooses somebody else over ASU, we're going to bid them farewell, and we're going to beat them on the field. So he said it, so I know that we're owed at least two undefeated seasons somewhere <laughs> down the road. Four years, two undefeated seasons, we're getting that national championship in Tempe, whether Herm Edwards and Ray Anderson like it or not. So and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, and this is my 
my final question, but I think it's a really important one. ASU does not trust rivals or scouts. And not that anybody should inherently trust our rankings. Everybody should be doing their own evaluations. Um, you know, they like to say that it doesn't matter, but I, every single one of us, if we all wanted to spill our text messages, would yeah, we find out real that. quick that they do. But ASU, to the to the point where they said, all right, we're going to do this ourselves. They brought in Al Luganville. He has like a staff of 10 guys. I like that. They're, re they're reviewing film all day, every day. And so ASU would promise all these four and five stars. ASU's taken two stars that they believe, based on their evaluations and their team that they've set up of Al Luganville, Fred Gamage, watching film all day. They're taking these kids and saying, these are kids that are going to be on campus for five years and all Pac-12 by year five. Do you think that that's a feasible way to go about it? Because statistics show good kids usually play good in college. It, to this point, it's only worked in Manhattan, Kansas. That's what they do. With add in some, sprinkle in some JUCOs, and you've got the Bill Snyder model. That's what they do. They take two and three. They take Jordy Nelsons. They take guys that are overlooked from small towns, and they're there for four and five years, and they develop into great players. It's not easy to do it. Everybody else would be doing it. Um, but there is a precedent for this. I'm not, it's, and that's it. That might be the only precedent for this. The precedent for it is patience. Yeah. And I just don't think that Herm Edwards is going to be here in three or four years to see this succeed. Well, how many distractions are there in Manhattan, Kansas, versus how many distractions are there in, well, in Tempe, Arizona? You know, if, also, is there patience among the, and I don't know this, you guys are closer to the team than I do, among the administration where, rightfully or wrongfully, they've already kind of decided they're going to mock Herm Edwards no matter what, right? In the national media, on the scape of everything else. So if this does snowball, they don't win this year somehow. They have a bad year, too. Does he get year three? Does he, I mean, he's old. Does he quit? I, I mean, there are a lot of, like, there are a lot of variables. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he can retire at any moment. It's a fascinating situation because he has young kids. They don't live in Arizona. He goes home to California every weekend. He hasn't given up any of, uh, or, or I think some of his contracts have expired. But for the most part, this is a dude who still goes on the radio in Kansas City once a week mm, yeah, to talk Chiefs football. So his focus is in other places. Uh, Ray Anderson genuinely believed that if you just change out the top, but then the coordinators didn't stick around. So. It, I mean, if this succeeds, it's going to be one of those models that you can't turn around and duplicate no, because there was not really a reason for it to in the first place. But I, I, I don't think I, I don't think anybody should trust it outright, like you said. But at the same time, being optimistic at this juncture seems like the more the duty of a fan than something that would come out of like a logical. No, I concur. Yeah, it's 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 tough to sell. Like I said, there is a precedent for it, though. I don't. You don't want to say anything's impossible. I think, obviously, them going undefeated and win a national title, that is impossible. Herman, I feel pretty good saying he will not win a national title. In four years. I feel pretty confident saying that. All right, well, Chili is standing here with his arms folded, looking unhappy. Uh, wouldn't even put the ASU hat on for his rival's photo shoot. Uh, this is a... Uh, then the Devil's Junkie podcast. Rob Cassidy, thank you so much. Chili, I'm sorry. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs>
in offensive lineman from Auburn, California, Placer High School, Joey Capra. And so, as is custom, we bring in former offensive lineman Marshall Nathy from Arizona State University to give his take and his analysis on what Arizona State could be getting in Joey Capra. All right, and uh, and and back for another segment with the Devil's Junkie podcast. It is Marshall Nathy. Marshall, how you doing? I'm doing all right, brother. You know, watching some football. It can't ever be a bad day. Man, it, I, I I tell you what, it feels like this particular off season is taking forever. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just it's weird. It's weird to think about because now I'm more of a fan or analyzer if you want to call it so it's not as much waiting to hit somebody it's more waiting to watch it which is kind of a weird feeling but i'll get used to it i feel like i mean here we are already more than halfway through the year it feels like time is moving fast how can it feel like time is moving fast but football is taking forever to get here that's crazy to me <laughs> i guess that's just the football in our blood bro <laughs> are, are you going to watch this new this new league that they're bringing to Sun Devil Stadium? Are you going to watch that at all? What are you talking about? They're bringing like a a, a a football league. It's not the XFL, but they're getting they got like Rick New Newheisel, who used to coach oh, UCLA. I've I've heard I've heard bits and pieces about that. Yeah, I might check it out. We'll see. We'll see if it's a if it. I mean. <laughs> Anybody rocking each other, but if anything's ever interesting, then yeah, I'll be watching it. I mean, it's always fun to hit people, to watch people hit each other really hard. <laughs> I feel like everybody always says they want more football, and then when someone tries to put a league in the spring or the summer, people are like, ah, you know what? I actually like my break just fine. So I mean, we'll see, we'll see if it works out. But it'll be interesting to see even more football be played at at Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. See if they can balance it well enough. So I wanted to talk to you because, and I know you can do more than just break down what offensive linemen uh, are are doing, but we had kind of an interesting commitment to Arizona State um, just yesterday. Uh, Joey Capra, who I had actually kind of confused uh, with his older brother Jacob, ASU's actually been, (laughs) I think, in on the 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 uh, recruitment of three Capra brothers now. There's one yeah. at Utah. There's one at Oregon. And here we have uh, the youngest brother. I don't know if any any more are coming down the pike, but um, from Placer High School in Auburn, California, we got six foot four, two hundred and seventy pound interior lineman Joey Capra. Uh, and yeah. so I, I asked you to take a look at his film and just sort of you know give me a sense uh, as 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 far as what your your first impression. Of of Joey Capra was well. Uh, I got a couple notes down here. Let's start with some positives. Um, he's got very good explosive hips. He has talent and, and the ability to kind of load up. Uh, which Vi- so, is never a bad thing. So he's got some violence at the point of impact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and but that also comes with he, he leads with his head bad. Um, and that that is going to be something he will need to immediately correct if he doesn't want to be eating grass when he when he gets to the next level. So tell me, expand expand on that a little bit more for people who don't understand necessarily the the technicalities of blocking. It, when you're leading with your head, is that t- taking your eye off the plate? Does that take you out of the play a little okay. bit, or does that yeah, cause no, your no, your I momentum? Totally Let, yeah, listen, I'll totally explain what I'm saying. So leading with your head, it means more of it's the technique of. 
kind of you using your initial point of impact to be the crown of your head, which when you hear crown of your head, you think, uh, what's the penalty? Uh, targeting. Uh, what am I thinking of? Targeting, yeah. Yeah, yeah targeting, targeting. And uh, it, it's different for linemen. So it's not illegal. It just hurts. And honestly, it's very easy to get you out of the way. Because I, I know for a fact, because I used to do it when I first got there. And I was on, I was on my butt a lot. Um, and this guy has got to learn to get his hat head out of the situation because I mean his hands are, his hands are quick enough. He's got good hands, uh, and he and he and like I said, he's got a good explosive ability. Um, and he and he also does a pretty good job of running his feet. But there's uh, just there's a whole bunch of stuff he needs to work on to be successful at the next level. He will not. He won't be a young player. Uh, he he'll, he'll have to wait till May. His red shirt. <laughs> Pushing it with you sophomore, I'm thinking more redshirt junior, redshirt senior year to consistently be a starter. Um, he really, he, he looks young. He, he, like I said, leads with his head. And his first step is kind of all over the place. He crosses his feet a lot. Um, and he, he doesn't really, his like I said, his head placement, there isn't any. He, it seems he's uh, just really just overpowers his opponents. And he's much larger than everyone, so it's kind of be expected. So explain I mean, explain to me that. So you you're you said that there's kind of a little bit of a difference between the way that high school and the way that that college games are called. As an offensive lineman, where do you want to get your hands, and how much can you really get away with? Um, well, it depends how, how savvy you are with it. But you, you really want to get your hands like the basics. The basics of teaching are you want to get your hands right where the pads. Uh, meet the chest, the the skin of the chest. So you want to get you want to get your hands locked into the pad to keep your arm at a ninety degree, keep you keep you strong, keep you tight, and allow your core to really do most of the work. But uh, in high school, you can get away. Like I said, if you're much larger than everybody, you can get away with with extending your arms a little bit more. Which a um, at the next level. There ain't no way in hell you're going to be able strong enough to hold somebody like that. So go, imagine going against, put yourself in the position, Ralph. Imagine going against Rennell Wren and, and extending your arms and having zero core strength. And see, just think what he would do to you. I mean, that's that's just not that's not a possibility. You can't do that. And then on top of that, the way he um, every 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 highlight I've seen is he, he his goal is to get them on their butt uh, to to pancake them, and that's just. You can't. You can't expect to constantly begin pancakes because that's when you're going to begin a lot of holding calls. Because if you try, if, even if you torque somebody um, noticeably enough one direction, that, that that's holding right there. I mean, there's new rules every year in the league, so it's something you have to pay attention to. Um, but like in high school, the refs aren't really looking out for that. They're more trying to keep it a clean, as clean as they can, as fun as they can for the the. Uh, fans and and the kids really just keeping them protected but at the next level there's a lot more going into it because there's so many more politics they have to watch that kind of stuff and that and, and i know i'm spending a lot of time on that but that's a really big factor at the next level because that's such a small thing that you can lose 15 yards in, in an instant so right something you have to worry about so this is a kid that had an offer from pretty much every single ivy league school as well as a a, a few others uh, right. Yeah, uh, that's something I wanted to bring up is his GPA. I think that kid that will shoot him 
to the stars. That is why that is why he is so valuable. Because for any for any player, if you if you have any lick of sense, any ability to play football and a four GPA, you're gold. Because not only will you be raising the GPA, uh, the average GPA of the team, but you're not going to be a worry academically. And that also allows you to be post football to have the ability to rely back onto that that history of good grades, that history of a really solid uh, business degree, as he explains, he wants to take on, which was uh, which is what I'm into in myself. Uh, so that's going to do a lot. That's why he is so valuable as a player. And so he's saying that, Co- that that Coach Dave Christensen has told him he's got some explosiveness off the line and some some speed, ability to get the next level. If you can, if you can, even if he's he's sloppy on technique right now, and um, and and obviously he's going to need a lot of work. You know, what wh- what do you think the ceiling is for somebody like that that can get in with Coach Connolly for a few years? You know, they're not going to be a problem off the field. Um, uh, and and you know their their academic interest is going to kind of carry them and you know what do you think somebody like Coach Joe Connolly can the strength coach Joe Connolly can do with a player like this who doesn't look like he has a lot of bad weight at six four two seventy I mean is is that really what it comes down to is is essentially um, trying to coach this kid up to get the to get the maximum uh, impact out of him you know you you're, you're telling me and I, I appreciate the honesty you're telling me that this kid's a little bit of a a little bit of a project what does it take to develop a project like that well really it's going to be communication on both coach christensen and coach Connolly's, uh and they have to kind of they have to stay in contact because a player like this if you really want to turn him into a successful consistent player you have to have both uh which coach coach joe will kick his ass i have no doubt about that but it, coach joe will turn him if he's willing to put in the work coach joe's an animal he, he will turn him into a heavy uh, producing um, strong individual that that won't be an issue. After, after that, that's it. Coach Christensen, if he can work his magic with him, teaching him technique, excuse me, teaching him technique and the ability to understand more what he's doing, not just run over this guy and then run over this guy, but to really understand the game of football technique-wise, where your hands go, where your head goes, where your where your legs go, where your feet go. There's so many different techniques to it. If they can stay in communication of getting him the size put on him, because, yeah, like you said, 6'4", 270, you're right. He, he's a, he, he looks like he could easily put on 40 pounds and still be able to move. So if he can get, if he can put on solid weight, um, not, ju- not just get chunky, but can put on good, solid weight, like I, I would reference him more to Cole Cabral. If he can get solid weight put on, like Cole can, uh, how he came in about 280, and now he's up to about 300 of solid, strong weight. If this if this young kid could do that, then that then that alone will take care of himself, and then it will be more on Coach Christensen to teach him the the in and outs of the technique. And whenever he can get that done, I think that's when he will have the potential to play. So then I have a question about this because you 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 brought up a little bit of technique, and you brought up a little bit of you know the fact that, that some of the stuff that Joey Capra does at the high school level might not fly at the college level. And I've been meaning I've been meaning to, to talk to you about this because uh, Todd Graham came in to Arizona State. And he instituted a discipline that didn't necessarily exist before that, but he was almost fanatical in his belief that penalties can essentially cost you the game. But then you guys go and you play San Diego State last year. They hold on every play, and they just dare the refs to call it. 
Yeah. And the refs don't because you, yeah. they don't they don't want they essentially don't want it to be clunky. It's what the Seahawks did when when they first started uh, pressing people beyond five yards and and doing little ticky tack right. stuff. You know, it was the right. Legion of Boom, but the truth is, it was the Legion of Downfield Holding. But the refs right. aren't going to call that stuff every single time. It, is there a balance? Do do you have to be a certain level of nasty? Do you have to do you have to try to be able to have some kind of leeway to figure out what you can can get away with? Can, I mean, my, I guess my question is: Can it can it actually hurt you to be so dedicated to discipline in a situation like against San Diego State, where the refs aren't going to call it a, a, anything, and 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 San Diego State's able to essentially hold their way to victory? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. See, it, that's where the politics come in. Um, I hate to say it, but it really matters. You have to do You have to do uh, info gaining on the refs you're playing with. I mean, uh, like you said, if you have refs that aren't going to be calling it, you absolutely are shooting yourself in the foot if you are – if you because because I know I know there was a few plays I was in that where a guy got a little bit out of my framework and I just literally let him go. I, I just I let him go because you you have to because if he moved another inch, technically it's holding. But that's then that's on the that's on the ref to call it or not. And I think that is definitely something that needs to be put in consideration because if you're playing if you're playing with refs to where you can get away with some of this you're absolutely you absolutely need to utilize it because like you said San Diego State did and they kind of railed us so Right on, man. Well, I always appreciate your perspective. I'm, 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 I'm heading out on vacation, but I look forward to getting back in and seeing who else Arizona State's able to drum up while while I'm out of town and getting your perspective on on what they're doing as far as recruiting and, and what Arizona State can continue to do to build toward a, a, a winning tradition under uh, Herm Edwards and Dave Christensen and everything they got going on there. So thanks a lot, Marshall. Absolutely, brother. Be safe. Sunday morning, church choir on familiar context. Put it on my heart. Praise God for the conscience. Right in the spirit. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Artificial limit clear. Do it. Do it. Right here now. I really enjoy having Marshall Nathy be part of the podcast. Hopefully we can have him on. I mean, every, every single week he does such a fantastic job. Uh, but to, to, to switch subjects, I don't know if, if you've seen this yet, but if you haven't, you should. It was published about five days ago as part of Cronkite News and shared over to DevilsDigest.com. Jack Harris, really talented writer who works uh, with, with uh, DevilsDigest.com. He, he's a student at Cronkite. I'm a big fan of his. He wrote about how ASU basketball has built better schedules and raised its national profile. And it's just a great story about everything that Arizona State did and, and, and their philosophy as far as um, scheduling up, scheduling against some of the hardest teams that are out there, you know, whether that's Kentucky, whether that's playing at Kansas. Um, you know, uh, Herb Sendek had, had really been saddled with that label of somebody who who, who scheduled really soft out-of-conference uh, schedules, and it really never prepared ASU for what they were going to face when they got to the Pac-12. And 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 ASU under Bobby Hurley has really tried to change things up. And so um, I, I find that really interesting, and I, I think it's also very topical in, you know, in the fact that 
Grand Canyon University, 18 miles away from Arizona State, has long uh, sort of been the, the unspoken adversary and thorn in the side of ASU. You know, they, they want legitimacy. They want to play Arizona State. Arizona State's always um, refused to play them. And so, you know, GCU is now a nonprofit. And that was really the hurdle as far as Arizona State and, and Michael Crow, President Michael Crow, saying that they were never going to schedule them. They weren't going to let, you know, GCU up their stock price on the back of Arizona State. They weren't going to grant GCU legitimacy. And so, you know, the, the moment that I saw that GCU finally went nonprofit, finally did everything that was required of them uh, to attain nonprofit status, you know, I, I tweeted out, would you like to see Grand Canyon University and Arizona State play? And I would say that it wasn't unanimous, but it, overwhelmingly people are saying yes, and that they really want to see them play so that, that they can shut Grand Canyon University up, uh, which I think is kind of an interesting perspective, you know, the... Um, that Arizona State University hasn't necessarily done anything uh, yet to to prove that they're sustainable on the national stage, but they are scheduling some of these tough teams. And it goes back to what Jack Harris wrote. They're scheduling some of these tough teams. They're not afraid of anybody. Um, but, I, but I guess the other perspective is that there's really no upside. You know, if you schedule Grand Canyon University, you're supposed to blow them out. Well, what if you don't? And so it'll be interesting now that that, that final hurdle is out of the way if Grand Canyon University finally becomes another um, potential rivalry out of conference matchup uh, for ASU, I think Hode Rubino made a fantastic point on the Devil's Digest message boards that, that that GCU is legitimately up and coming. And even forget the fact that they're 18 miles away. Forget the fact that they um, that that they were kind of a thorn in the side of ASU as far as you know trying to paint ASU as cowards, even though ASU was claiming to have acted on principle by not scheduling them. That you know throw all of that stuff out the window. This is actually a pretty decent team to schedule just based on the fact that they are up and coming and it might help your overall RPI. And so uh, definitely arguments on both sides. Uh, I, I really could care less if they make any attempt to schedule Grand Canyon University just because I think I like the debate more than I like the actual uh, you know prospect of, of, of ASU, which I really feel you know like any team that is getting top 50, top 20, top you know, potentially 10 recruiting classes uh, going up against a, a school in the whack, you know, that, that should really be academic. It, it should really be the, you know, one team blowing out the other. Um, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it'd be a great game yet. But then again, you know, these are some of the guys that I covered in high school that, you know, will be playing on both sides of the ball uh, in the near future. And so it would be fun to see see them match up. Uh, which brings me to my last guest of the podcast since we're talking basketball. 2021 forward Michael Foster recently decommitted from ASU. He's probably set to be the number one player in the entire 21 21 class. I don't think he realized he was going to be the number one player in the 2021 class when he ultimately committed to Arizona State. Uh, so his decommitment, I mean, it's so far out. Um, the fact that he committed to Arizona State in the first place was maybe a little silly, uh, but his name now is forever linked with ASU. And ultimately, you know, with Kyrie Walker being a commit to ASU and with, with Arizona State's recruitment being better than it's ever been in basketball, 
Uh, you know, I wanted to talk to Eric Bossy, and because I was out in Atlanta and he was there too, I had an opportunity to talk to uh, Rivals National Basketball Recruiting Director, uh, Eric Bossy, who knows more about, you know, grassroots basketball, knows more about high school basketball recruiting than just about anybody I know. And so he was able to talk to me a little bit about the Michael Foster situation because him and his partner, Corey Evans, who have been on this, who has been on this podcast before, you know, they broke that story um, of Michael Foster's decommitment. So he was able to talk to me a little bit about what it means, um, you know, whether there's a silver lining in the clouds for ASU and how he really feels like Bobby Hurley and staff have been doing. So let's take a listen to that interview. All right, so we're out in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They're opening the roof for us. Uh, out here to watch some five-star football players, but I've got the uh, the, the more than five-star uh, national basketball analyst for rivals, Eric Bossy, uh, to talk some ASU basketball since you're out here. Uh, big news just broke, obviously. Uh, 2021 might be the number one player in the country. Michael Foster just decommits from ASU. Uh, what, what information can you kind of give ASU fans about uh, a about that whole process? Sure, I think, uh, you know, it's nice to get that commitment early, but I think anyone reasonable knows that a guy committing that early from that far away, that that's gonna be a tough commitment to hold on to. And I think though, would you love to have him coming a few years from now? But there's so much to be on the side. I mean, that's gonna be the first class that gets to go to the NBA anyway. So that kid may not even be playing college basketball if he continues at the track, worth thinking of. But you get a lot of publicity for the commitment. You get in the news again. Even if it's a decommit, so there's some there's some positive to come from it, and you know who knows, stranger things have happened. Maybe it comes back around, but I don't think it's a it's not like a crushing blow or anything like that because he's still three years away from stepping on campus. So exactly. it's not like you've got a whole recruiting class built around him or you've planned on this. Like you've got plenty of time to bounce back from it. When Arizona State's in a unique situation, they didn't used to have their name associated with this type of high-level talent. They've still got Kyrie Walker on board for 2020, might reclassify. Michael Foster's name's going to be, you know, loosely affiliated with Arizona State for, you know, the rest of his time uh, playing. And, and they just got James Harden landing an MVP. I mean, it feels like things are looking up for ASU basketball. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that. And coming off of last year, you got all that pop from the way things started off and a lot of uh, good publicity for Hurley and his staff and the way they let their players have as much freedom on the floor as they do. So I think things are definitely trending up right now. You've seen the programs that can sustain that. Uh, it, you know, the higher up you get on the mountain, the more gravity you have pulling you down. Do you feel like, do you feel like it's possible with the setup that they have there um, that that they they could find some sustained success or if not what do they need to do to make sure they get there yeah i definitely think they can find success and i wouldn't bet against them doing it right now just you know bobby hurley doesn't have the longest track record but i think it's a pretty good track record of continually getting better and better and he's got some guys who've been around a little bit and they've built some connections on the west coast that are going to help them long term i think pac-12 really too it's it's if there's a time to make a move in the Pac-12, I think it's right now. I, I think it's in a state of flux that we've never seen before. You know, UCLA is getting a bunch of talent, but there's question marks about what they're doing with the talent, and there's going to be a hot seat this year. Arizona obviously went through a negative press cycle last year. You've got a new coach trying to get established at Washington. You've got all these things going on, and I think it's kind of 
if there was a time to make a move, the time is now. And I think they've seated themselves pretty well because not only have they touched on the West Coast, but you know they're working international contests. They're getting kids from Kansas. They're getting kids. I mean, from Canada, not Kansas. Sorry, they're getting kids from overseas. You know, they're dipping into all these different areas, and you know, really seems to be working for them right now. And so you might be more uniquely uh, positioned to answer this question than anyone because it doesn't always feel like basketball players have that much of a regional um, affiliation or affection that they'll go wherever the best situation is for them, and they're so used to traveling anyway um, that it's not a big it's not it's not a big deal of a deal. It's like a football player who who you know usually within 500 miles is is where they seem to stick. But basketball players also move around a lot more. But what we're seeing in the state of Arizona is we're seeing high school talent at an unprecedented level uh, all of the sudden in in Arizona um, where to, to the point where you know there's Kyrie Walker there's Mar Marvin Bagley there's DeAndre Ayton um, I think they just sent a kid to IMG Academy who's incredibly highly ranked do you feel like with the influx of talent regionally do you think that could peripherally help a program like Arizona State oh sure absolutely okay. I mean Basketball kids are a little more likely to bounce around a little bit because, like you say, they seem to transfer high schools more than anyone else. They play summer ball all over the place, so they're kind of used to being on the move. So, like, home isn't quite as important for them. But you still want to be able to be strong in your own region. Like you say, you got Kyrie, you got Jalen House already, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, he's a legacy. That didn't hurt, but still, he's a local player. I think uh, the, the next guy who you're going to see become really a focal point in and should be a major target for them is going to be Dalen Terry, who just transferred over to Hillcrest to play with Kyrie Walker. He's 6'5", 6'6", and has a legitimate chance to be a point guard long-term and is probably going to end up a top 50 type player in the country. And he's literally right there in your backyard from Tempe originally. You know, So there's, while you know that you can go out and get guys from around, which they've done, it's nice to know that, oh my gosh, like, we might be able to lock up a couple of local guys or at least have a chance to get some local guys. That's always good. I think it it helps with fan interest in the program because people like to see local kids do good. And it's it's just a good thing. So I, hopefully for them, it should be something that helps them out. One of the craziest parts of your job is projecting the talent of guys who maybe haven't even reached high school yet. And, uh, and we're starting to hear whispers about a kid in Arizona they're associating his name in the same breath as a Marvin Bagley, and that's Dylan Anderson. Do you know anything about this yeah, kid? Yeah. Do you I, feel like the hype is real? Um, I actually got to see Dylan play over Memorial Day weekend, and I've always had a kind of long-standing rule. I don't go watch a kid before they get to high school. Now, right. if they happen across me playing for like a 16U team or a 17U team playing up, then I'm going to watch him, and he was pretty impressive. He's Getting listed at 6'11 someplace, I think that's a little generous. He's probably more like 6'9 and everyone's calling him the, the next unicorn or whatever the nickname they've given him, which probably putting a little bit too too much right. pressure on, but he's 6'9, he runs pretty well, he's got a nice looking stroke, he's pretty fluid, he's got a good body to build on. I mean, we're how far along away from ranking the class of 2021, Very, yeah. but it's strange that you know, we even talk about as much like as that. I can see a kid who hasn't started high school yet and say, oh yeah, that guy's a high major prospect, you know, he's a potential national level recruit. I've seen that with Dylan Anderson. I appreciate it, Eric. Thank you. No problem. Black person, now I'm staring at this verse. Now Christ struggle, gonna leave me more humble. Sin upon my head, repentance coupled with faith.
Trusting in the name, forgiveness embedded in grace. Counting costs with benefits, spirit had announced death. And that is it for this week's Devil's Junkie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everybody who supports devilsdigest.com. Thank you to the entire Arizona State University Sun Devil community uh, that exists on the Devil's Digest message boards. Uh, thank you for all that you do to support us. Uh, we're doing everything we can to, to, to bring you a product that you can be uh, proud of. Hopefully Arizona State is doing that uh, or will start doing that as well in all of the major sports that you care about. Uh, I am headed out on a two-week vacation and so uh, I hope everybody has a, a, a safe, uh, family and fun-filled July. Uh, I will be out in, uh, in in the Redwoods and on the coast of Oregon and, and Yosemite, uh, visiting Stanford, visiting Oregon, getting to know Arizona State's opponents uh, <laughs> up, up close and, and personal, possibly hit Oregon State as well. So uh, until next time, I mean, we're coming up on Camp T. We're coming up on all sorts of exciting things. Uh, make sure that uh, to, to stay safe and... and uh, have a happy 4th of July, and we will catch you next time. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. All my friends were vampires. Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town